Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon from Ephesians chapter 2, titled, How God Repairs Relationships. Don't isolate. Let Jesus be at the center of your life and tell him everything. If you do, you'll naturally do that with others. We are being built together to be the place where God dwells, the house of miracles. That's us. So dare to be yourself. Share your deep needs and deep hurts. Share your profound wealth and your precious time. Share your skills and joy and love. Together, we'll learn to put Jesus at the center of our lives. Together, we'll learn how to be loved. Together, we'll find healing. Together, we'll repair the world. Together, we're unstoppable. Allegedly, I am still working here. Hi, friends. Hi, everybody online. Hi, guys. Hey, uh, we believe three things as a church, and this all comes from Isaiah chapter 61. It's the, when Jesus got up and preached in his hometown, this is what he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to adjust my microphone, all of that. That's what Jesus said, and that's, this is how it is that we as a church understand our mission and our purpose. Number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. So we're a church that allows ourselves to and encourages us to be vulnerable enough and honest enough to, to admit and talk about where we have brokenness in our life and understand that there's always hope beyond it and that we get to be together in it and work through it together. Um, our, the reputation of our church among pastors in this area is this is a place of deep restoration. Amen? And that's what happens. God, God has brought people here. He's brought uh, staff here. He's brought you here. I don't know. He brought me here. And, and for whatever reason, God is doing a work of deep restoration here. And so we're just so grateful that you're here. The second thing we, we believe in is that we're called to trust in our risen Savior. Uh, this is where we learn together how to, step by step, put the weight of our soul more and more on Jesus. It's a process that we do together, never alone. And so we learned, we're learning together how to trust, how to have faith in Jesus more and more. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, and then finally, we get to bring restoration. Uh, I've been in so many churches where uh, the pastor gets up there and says, you know, you should go do missions, or you should evangelize to people, or you should do that. And then I think to myself, I ain't never going to do that, right? That's, that's why we pay him, right? That's his job. Uh, but in this church, it is so much fun to do this with you. So Ron Freeman gets to give away money to Matthew, and Gail Rutherford's going to give it away in second service. It's just beautiful that we as a church get to make a difference in people's lives and bring restoration right where we are. And none of us have to be an expert on how to do that. Um, we just get to stumble through it together. And I just love how God is moving and working in our lives. And to look out at your stories and to know your stories online about how God is restored and renewed and is resurrecting each one of you and you, we have all been a part of that journey together. It's spectacular. Amen. Amen. So each one of these truths has a choice attached to it. And we choose this every Sunday 
Because to be a follower of Jesus or a disciple, that's what disciple means, is the reality that we get to choose. We're no longer a slave to sin and death. We are now free, and free people get a choice. God's not going to choose that for you. That's your job. So let's choose this together if you want. So declare it with me. Even if you're at home, say it out loud. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? You sure? Yes. Brianne is ready. Okay. First, uh, before we do before we do the book of Ephesians, I, I want you to know something. Um, so last week, first service to start the service before you all got here as a staff, we and as a, all the volunteers, we prayed for uh, for Israel. And I want you to know that we've been praying. This whole thing just breaks my heart, and I know that it breaks your heart as well. And we've been praying for a couple of things. First of all, for the 1,300 Israelis that, that were horribly killed. That is just evil. Second thing is that we've been praying for the people of Palestine who have been horribly ruled by an Iranian-backed terrorist organization called Hamas. We've been praying for them as well. Because we know that, that for all of the people in in this country, Palestinians and Jews, that we want their peace and their healing and their comfort and their wholeness. And we want the horrible evil that has been present controlling this area, preventing life and seeking death, we want that gone. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so as the church, we stand because we're the... We're, we're the people that have been, by sheer grace, adopted into God's family, right? We've been grafted into the tree of, of God's people, and um, there's only three or four of us have the Jewish blood or ancestry, ancestor, you know, the rest of us are just, we, we are redheaded stepchildren, amen? Uh, and if you're redheaded, God bless you. Uh, right, Ron? We just love you so much. Uh, so can I just pray? Uh, can I just pray for us real quick? Would that be okay? Jesus, we lift up Israel to you. We pray comfort upon all those families that are still in absolute terror with their loved ones kidnapped. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of their children and their mothers and their grandmothers and their kids. We pray for those who are being, who have been wounded and for their recovery. We pray for the million plus people in Palestine that are so tired of, their, of the people who have wrecked their lives in Hamas. And we pray, God, for freedom. We pray that this would be a moment of freedom. And God, uh, for all those who are grieving, Lord, help. Have mercy, Jesus. Bring peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Ephesians. Now we're ready. Why is, my, why is my thing going crazy? I don't know. It's going crazy? How's this? Is this better? Yes, maybe so. Who knows? I'm going to do this. We'll find. Okay, great. Okay. Um, we're in the book of Ephesians. And if you're joining us uh, for the first time or the second time, let me catch you up. 
Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells the church that God has chosen us, adopted us, redeemed us. In other words, God has always been plotting and will always be plotting and acting for your joy and your best. That's Ephesians chapter 1. In chapter 2, Paul reminds us that we're all in the same boat. All of us are dead and have been dead in our sin, lost, insisting on eating from that dumpster of death. And there, Jesus rescued us because he loves us and exchanged places with us. And the death that we chose, he died. And the life that he earned has now been given to us. Amen. We are the recipients of God's remarkable mercy and grace. And last week we talked about we who have no legal or historical or familiar right to belong to God have been drawn close to God by Jesus himself. And so we read this together. We'll read it again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been brought near, not like 20 feet away near, not near only when we're good enough, near now. Not near once we've handled all of our issues, near now, near forever. I don't know if you saw me, I got to hold baby December today. Near like that near, held by God now near. Does that make sense? We're not on the other side of the border wall, foreigners with no legal right to come in. We've been adopted. We're in, we're near, we're here by the blood of Jesus. He paid our entry fee. He secured our adoption. He made a way where there was no way with his very life. He's giving us a new heart. He's given us a new spirit and a new identity. In other words, God is resurrecting us. The all-at-once resurrection Jesus experienced is now happening every day, bit by bit, in our life until the moment we go home and we experience the fullness of it in that moment. Amen? Amen. It's just a little bit of COVID, don't worry. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Ronnie, are you going to get me a new mic or adjust it? You're going to fix the one I have? This is Ronnie Brown Jr., ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ron Brown, you stop. Better? I think so. Oh, Ronnie Brown Jr. MVP is right. Okay. Today, Paul's going to describe how Jesus, given all of these glorious truths that we've been talking about for the past four weeks, will then bring reconciliation to our relationships. And this is going to be a, two weeks we're going to talk about this, what God does there. So are you ready? Can we pray real quick? Jesus, help. Again, Lord, renew our armor. We bind up and silence anything opposed to Christ that's on us or here. Whether we're at home or here in the sanctuary, we cast, leave now in the name of Jesus, go to Jesus to be judged. Lord, open up our ears and our minds and our spirit to hear what you have to say to us today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so 
We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ for, read this with me, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. So 49ers fans and Seahawks fans, <laughs> right? Jews and Gentiles, right? Insiders and outsiders, rich, poor, old, young. All, all of the divide, in the early church, it was literally Jews and Gentiles, right? We have our own categories of who's in and who's out. But Paul is talking here about how God's people and then everybody that's not God's people, what Jesus has done, he is our peace, who has made the two groups one, read, keep on reading with me, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. There's no longer us versus them when it comes to the body of Christ. The barriers we put up in our little tribal mentalities are all destroyed because of Jesus. For the Jews struggling to accept unclean Gentiles who were too Roman, too liberal, too unschooled, they struggled to understand how Jews struggled to understand how God could accept them if they didn't even follow basic Jewish laws. Right? Now, Paul says in one sentence, all those conversations are now over because of Jesus. Why? Verse 15, by setting aside in Jesus' flesh, wait, go back, the law with its commands and regulations. What in the world is that? The law demands it to be obeyed, and so Jesus obeys for us perfectly so the law has been fulfilled. All the regulations that demanded a sacrifice. Well, that sacrifice, now we don't have to go have a barbecue every week, right? And get forgiveness every single week with a death. Jesus' death is now the last sacrifice ever needed. So we don't have to die. And the poor little animals don't have to die. I mean, they're going to die because we're going to eat them because they're delicious, but not because we need to sacrifice them, right? Let's be clear on this, right? Barbecue is biblical, okay? Back to what I was saying. Stay with me. Jesus is the sacrifice, the last sacrifice, because on the cross he said, it is finished. It's done. Okay? So all of the questions about who's out and who's in based on whether or not they're obedient enough or clean or unclean or all that, it's all done. All of us are unclean. All of us were, uh, are dead. All of us needed forgiveness. All of us were in the same boat. Jesus did everything that needs to be done to bring us near, to adopt us, claim us, forgive us, choose us. Amen. All the barriers that we put up with each other, oh, they're not in the right political party. They're not dressed right. They're behaving wrong. They're thinking wrong about this topic of conversation. Or the favorite thing church people do, well, theologically, I'm more better than you are because I figured out how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, which is literally what monks debated about in the 1500s, right? All those barriers, pff, destroyed. 
Done. Gone. Why? Because our peace isn't in being right. Our peace has a name, and his name is Jesus. Same Jesus that is bonded to your soul and whose spirit is now welded to your own. That same Jesus is the person next to you person across the room that you think you got nothing in common with. And if Jesus is at peace with me, me, like like me, and I'm a straight knucklehead, then I can be at person, I can be at peace with you and you got problems. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. I have all of your problems. That's, that's my gift to you. This clown car of issues, right? If Jesus is at peace with us, then, gosh, we can be at peace with each other and this microphone. Now, notice what Paul's not saying. Right? He himself is our peace. What is Paul not saying? Paul's not saying that the other person is your peace. Other people will never be your peace. Only Jesus. Paul's not saying that it also doesn't matter how much they've sinned against you. No, it matters when people hurt you, right? It matters. Paul's not saying that you have to be best friends with him again. What is Paul saying? Jesus is my peace. When I'm hurt, I can forgive because I'm forgiven. And yes, I will bear the cost of the offense done against me, but I don't bear it alone. Jesus is with me. Jesus is my peace. And if that person actually starts changing the behavior that so wounded you, if they're repenting or if they're willing to forgive how you've wounded them, Then the door is open for reconciliation, but forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. I can't be reconciled with my father. He's dead, but I can forgive him still. They're separate. I forgive the people that won't repent. I don't have to be close to them. They can be over there. I love you over there. Yeah? Now, if they start repenting and actually confessing what's happening and go, oh, I'm so sorry, and their behavior of wounding stops, then the the door is open for reconciliation. And even if they don't, if I'm at peace with Jesus, then the war in my heart is over. And I can be in the room with them. And I can work alongside them. And I can be okay with them. Does that make sense? It might not ever be fully healed, but I'm at peace because they're not my peace. Jesus is my peace. You picking up what Paul's putting down? Why is this so important? Paul explains. Verse 15. Read this with me. For his purpose was to create himself out of the two, thus making peace. That's just crazy. We're going to talk about that for a moment. Verse 16. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God 
through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus' purpose has always been to renew and redeem and recreate our humanity. He's teaching us to claim, to reclaim, to remember our identity as a child of God, that you and I bear the image of our heavenly Father, our Creator. As, as We are people who walk with God just like Adam and Eve walked with God. That's our identity. We're whole, we're loved, we're His. We get to walk with Him. Not, not scurry out there trying to prove that we can get back to God. No, no, no. Our identity, who we are, is people who walk with God and make things new and beautiful again. Now, I'm going to help you connect the dots. With God at the center of my life every moment, when it comes to the fear and anger and hurt and conflict, the power of the good news is that still, even in the storm, Jesus is my peace because Jesus is my center. And here's the truth. I'm terrible at keeping Jesus in the center of my life when I'm in conflict. I'm learning to be better at it, but honestly, I stink at this, okay? I'm constantly tempted to put the other person as my center when it comes to conflict. If they would just be different, if they would just do what I tell them to do, if they would just do what I want them to do, because I shouldn't even have to tell them, then I would be at peace. Is that, can you relate with me at all on that one? I've practiced my entitlement for so long that I deserve to have things go my way that when I'm in conflict, I'll place my entitlement at the center of my life and call it God's will. Can you relate with me? Oh, jeez. We do crazy things, right? We say stuff like this. Well, I'll be at peace when he stops his bad behavior. Well, I'll be at peace when I get a new job, a fresh start, a new beginning. Well, um, I'll be at peace when I, have, uh, when I have more money, move money. Yeah, enough money to move, right? <laughs> like, like, like to move to that restaurant or to move to that store, yeah, move away from my problems. Or when I'm not so underwater or when I can finally feel secure. Well, I'll be at peace when she stops yelling or when he puts the toilet seat down, right? Right? More importantly, I'll be at peace when I finally get what I want from them, when I want it, and how I want it. Look, if your peace is dependent upon a particular outcome by getting exactly what you want, you'll never have peace, ever. When trouble comes, when anguish arrives, when I'm broken by my own foolishness, all my peace disappears. Why? Because I've made things going my way, my peace, not Jesus. I was hanging out with Jimmy. What are you, 6'8"? You can't miss Jimmy, okay? <laughs> he's 6'8", right? There's one guy, Luke, who comes to our church. He's 7'1". 
right? But today, Jimmy wins, right? Uh, and I was hanging out with Jimmy this last week, and we were talking, and, and he said this to me. He said, I, I, I was miserable for decades until the moment God showed me that he was never my treasure. And I was just so floored by the Holy Spirit in that moment. I said, Jimmy, can I, that'll preach. Can I use that? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is me. See, I want the blessing, but not the blesser. I want God to rescue me, but I don't want the rescuer. I want, I want God to move, but I don't want God to move me. I want to be saved, but I don't want the Savior. I want God's peace, but I keep on making other people my peace or my desired outcomes my peace and not Jesus who literally is my peace. Remember when we read that passage in James a couple months ago, if you were here, and James says, don't just hear the word, but do the word. Look, I can't control you or make you do anything, but I can tell you that every moment I make anyone or anything my peace, I'm miserable. And every moment that I remember and receive Jesus himself as my peace, that he loves me and that he has me and that he wants me and that he's here, all my mojo comes back. I have lived a life of fear and anger and entitlement because I never wanted Jesus as my treasure, only the outcomes that I thought that he could give me. This is called sleepwalking in our faith. I believe that God is real, but I'm focused solely on me. I use all the wrong tools to try and get what I think will bring me peace, and then when my peace comes, it slides through my finger like sand at a beach. I forgot, I still forget, that peace isn't me holding on to a thing. Peace is Jesus holding on to me. So Jesus is offering himself as your peace right now. Jesus is your satisfaction and your peace. When everything is a disaster, Jesus is our shield and our peace. He's carrying us through the storm. When the loved ones that you have are hurting and you can't do anything about it, he's our peace. He's holding on to me when I'm hurting. He's holding on to you. When your heart is in anguish, Jesus is present with you as your comfort and your peace. When your body is broken and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to get fixed, Jesus is with you. He's your peace. And so will you receive him as such? This is a moment where you don't just hear the words, but you do what it says. Will you receive Jesus as your peace? Here's the prayer I would like for to you to carefully consider praying with me. Jesus, I'm sorry I've wanted your blessings more than you. I'm sorry I've tried to make my own desires and my peace rather than you. Forgive me, Jesus. Please be my peace again. I take you back. It's my peace. I place you at the center of my heart and my life once again. And thank you for choosing me and suffering for me and being faithful to me and never leaving me this entire time. If you want Jesus back as your peace, as your center, pray this with me now. Jesus. I'm sorry I've wanted your blessings more than you. I'm sorry I've tried to make my own desires my peace rather than you. Forgive me. Take a breath, y'all. 
Jesus, please be my peace again. I take you back as my peace. I place you at the center of my heart and my life once again. And thank you for choosing and suffering me and being faithful to me and never leaving me this entire time. Okay, now look around. Look around. All of y'all just prayed that prayer, right? All of us are in the same boat. Can you have compassion on the person sitting next to you, in front of you, because their story literally is your own? Of course we can. In this humble, tender, merciful moment, all of us recognize our deep need for Jesus and his incredible kindness to us, to us even though we've treated him so poorly. And of course we can have mercy and patience for one another until they make us mad in three minutes. <laughs> Thus Paul says to the church, In verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We're peace with God only because of Jesus. None of us can boast, aha, I did it all, right? As though my prayers or my perspective or my choices or me being better than you got me closer to God. No. None of us can justify isolating ourselves because we've gone too far or we're too much of a burden or we've done too many bad things or too many bad things have done, been done to us. Hogwash, no. All of us are equally lost and now equally found, equally loved and equally forgiven, drawn near to Jesus and to each of us have been drawn near by his loving hand. We all share the same path to our heavenly Father, chosen in love, ransomed by his mercy, brought to life by the Spirit, and given this new family. Amen? Amen. Yeah, Andy, I thought you were going to talk about reconciliation. What's up with that? Like how to heal our relationships. Is that coming? Yeah, it's coming. Don't worry. We've got another two hours at least. (laughs) Right? But in construction, you don't paint the walls before you build them. And you don't build the walls before you build the foundation. And here's a truth you might not know, but God doesn't heal relationships. Why? Because relationships don't exist. I'd like to buy a relationship for $10.99. You can't buy it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't taste it because it's not there. God doesn't heal relationships. God heals people. And when healed people come together, their relationship is healed. Does that make sense? Thus, Paul hammers home these beautiful truths even deeper into our bones for all of our sake and our healing. And he says this, verse 19. Read this out loud with me. Are you ready? Consequently... We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief chief cornerstone. What does this mean? It means this. I can choose to love and forgive even if they don't change, or I can use my anger or rejection or demands as a way to make my will be done. That's what it means means this, 
I've always wanted God to choose for me. I always wanted God to give me everything I needed so that I really wouldn't have to choose that no matter which direction I stumbled in life, I would just stumble into the right decision. That's not how God works. God says, look, we've all been built on this amazing foundation. What's the foundation? It's Jesus himself. He's the cornerstone, yeah? How did Jesus operate in life? He's like, God, I hope that you just make it all work out for me and I never have to make a choice. Is that how God, Jesus lived his life? No. He chose God over and over and over and over and over and over again. Even in the face of suffering, even in the face of heartbreak, even in the face of betrayal, Jesus chose God and he chose you and me. He's choosing you and me right now, over and over and over again. Whether or not we want him for his stuff or we actually want him, Jesus chooses you and me over and over and over again. And so you and I have the same choice. I can tell you that the choice sometimes isn't easy. Sometimes the outcomes don't work out because other people's free will messes up our life. Happens. We're not a foreigner. We're not an alien. We're now a citizen. We belong. We're here. We have a calling and a purpose. So what does that have to do with healing our relationships? Well, Paul's telling us that we don't live in that old land anymore of bitterness and resentment. Now I have a choice. I can choose to surrender and trust Jesus, or I can spend another panic day trying to control every outcome. Which land do you want to live in? Are you a citizen of heaven, and are you going to live that way, or are you going to be an, uh, still live like an orphan? What's your choice? I can choose to love and forgive even if they don't change, or I can use my anger or rejection or demands as a way to make my will be done. How's that going to work out? Not good. Do the first one again, Matt. Go one slide back. Nope, one slide forward. Fine, next slide. Okay, here we go, there it is. I can choose to live on my own or I can make my dwelling with Jesus. What do you wanna do? Do you wanna vacation with God or do you wanna live with God? I can choose to change and grow connected to Jesus or I can try to go it alone again. This is not the sermon where I tell you all the nitty-gritty details of how to forgive and what to do and how to reconcile. It's not where I, this is not the sermon where I tell you that choosing Jesus means everything's going to work out great. It's just going to be puppy dog kisses and rainbows. People have free will. I have free will. I've hurt others. Others have hurt me. I've wrecked others. Others have wrecked me. This is a sermon where I tell you the hard truth about how relationships get healed. And here's the hard truth. God starts with you. I know you want God to start with them. Like you're desperate, God would just start with the person sitting next to you. That's why you drag them here, right? It's, no, God starts with you. And he starts with my heart reminding me that I'm not cut off, I'm not abandoned, I'm not alone, I'm not a foreigner. Even though I've lived in the land of disobedience, I still belong to him. I feel like I'm away from God, but I'm held just like I was holding baby December. I'm near, I'm not far. I'm here with God right now. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple 
in the Lord and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're all together. God's spirit is with us. So what do we do? Here's what we do. We're going to skip that last slide, Matt. Here's what we do. I'm going to tell you this with a story. Summer of 1998, a guy named Ray Blankenship was washing dishes in his kitchen, and he was looking at his backyard. In his backyard, there's a small little river that, that ran through his backyard, and then it ran to the local road, which was his road that he lived on, and, and the river ran underneath the bridge. There, you know what a culvert is? A culvert is that big concrete circle that the water goes in, right? It runs under roads and stuff like that. And so Ray's washing his dishes, and he gets this nice, you know, setting. Everything's great. I love that old word, bucolic, right? It's this peaceful landscape. It's a Saturday morning. Ray's doing dishes, and he hears a scream and a cry, and he looks upriver, and there's a little four-year-old girl, and she's falling in the river, and her mom or grandma's sprinting after her, but she can't. It's summertime. Rivers melt, all the, the melt has come down. River's moving pretty quick. So Ray drops the dishes, opens the back door, sprints towards the river, times it just right, jumps in, grabs the four-year-old girl. And as they float down the river, Ray's sort of trying to get his footing. He can't. sweeping him. He grabs a rock. And he's like, I'm going to hold on until help comes. Ten minutes later, finally, help came. He held on to that rock for ten minutes. That's a long time. Long, long time. He saved this little girl's life. He was saved. And so that next spring, the governor arrives, and he's going to give Ray the Coast Guard Medal for life saving. And it's, a, it's like the highest award that a civilian can get when we save someone's life in the water. And the thing that made that whole ceremony so special was that Ray didn't know how to swim. Look, we don't know how to make Jesus our peace until we do it. We don't know how to choose to let people love us or let God love us until we do it. I can't preach this into your soul. You have to choose. I can't make you live in the land of the kingdom of God, you have to do it. Like, we'll never know the thrill of breaking down the gates of hell and rescuing someone because of our sacrifice of love and money and time until we do it. And for those of us who've been a part of that journey, there's nothing more exhilarating than all of her. It's amazing. And I'm learning right now as I actually in prayer we say Jesus I receive your love and then breathe and actually receive it then I'm magically I'm feeling loved <laughs> holy wow you belong to him You're chosen by him Jesus loves you he adores you he's inviting you we're together we're all together. We're one, built upon Jesus' choice for us. And now today we get to choose him.
And I'm so grateful for you all, for you online as well, because you've chosen me. And you loved me even when I've been a twit. And if God can listen to my prayers, yours are fire, y'all. So Lord Jesus, bless and seal this good news in the hearts of my friends, both online and here. Thank you that you choose us, Jesus, and we now choose you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our peace, that you're at peace with me right now. We receive it still. Jesus, I ask for every moment this week when we're so tempted to go it alone that we'd get that nudge and that bump from you and saying, I'm right here. So Jesus, we could do it with you. And I pray against all the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what's been spoken and sung over the hearts and souls and minds of my friends here today. And Lord, we love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for you. And all God's people said, Amen. If you want to pray this into your bones and talk it into your bones, come to Table Talk next door. Otherwise, stand for the benediction and get ready to eat calorie-free food. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace. His very presence that passes all understanding. And all God's people said, have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.